Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. How are you? Welcome to Coffee Morning. If you're listening on podcast, welcome. Let's do a little something for your earlugs. There you go. That was nice. How are we all? Watching you all chit chat, chit chat this Friday. What a weird week, eh? What a weird, awful, sad, potentially irresolvable week. Um, Mr. Cardinal, depends on how you look at it. It's 5 a.m. a.m. morning or night. Hmm, Mr. Cardinal, what are you talking about? Not seeing you around, Mr. Cardinal. That's an incredibly formal name, isn't it? But imagine being a cardinal. Where's a cardinal? Are they a priest? Are they of the religious sect? Well, what is a cardinal? I think they are, aren't they? Aren't they sort of like even higher than a priest? Hilary Daly, it is all over one. Obviously, we're referring um, <clears throat> briefly to, I mean, look, we're going to talk about the Israel-Palestine-Gazan uh, crisis. Um, we are also going to be talking about toxic friendships. Uh, what are the giveaway signs? Um, funky Kids, fantastic. Westminster Film School, good, 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 good shout. Good morning, Faith Goodman. And we are going to persist one last time with the BBC Quiz of the Week at the end of this as well. So we have got that coming too. Um, you've got a couple of vlogs landing. You've got a No Name Sunday show pre-record landing on Sunday. Sorry, events, just things got a, bit, a little bit frantic and tight this week in terms of the members' life, but I'm going to try and do one uh, if Nanny dies up for it this weekend. And I think Nadia is also going to be doing one uh, potentially next week with Dina from a surprise location. Um, Morning, Gabrielle. Oh, Steffi Quinlan's got COVID for the third bloody time, you poor thing. Um, Spider Ballon, how do we talk to our children about this? That's a really good question. That's a really good question. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about all those things. We're also going to be talking about um, the way in which the mainstream media is covering this topic, the language they use, the words they use, how we describe it. It's an incredibly fraught, dangerous um you know, well, minefield, quite literally, on both sides of the political, cultural equation. Um, so it's really tricky. And I think what one is faith, faced with often with this topic, and look, what you have to understand is, is that this problem hasn't just uh, emerged, you know, the issue between Palestine and the Gaza Strip and Israel it is no new thing. It's 70 odd years old. It's, it's, it's been there a long, long time. Um, and we've talked incredibly firmly uh, in Coffee Moanings earlier in the week and when this was kicking off, unfortunately, at the weekend about how in all of these kind of crises, I think you have to, I think you have to enact an aspect of, um, what's the word? Um, sort of tilted compassion for whatever your opinion on the political, the global political situation is. You know, when a country is attacked, when an attack happens in an overt fashion, you have to, it's not about taking sides, it's about having empathy and compassion. So um, it's about recognising that, naming it. And then obviously then you start to scroll back through as, as, as the intensity of that moment subsides. Of course, it doesn't subside at all for anyone who um, has you know experienced any loss or any trauma you know from from, from the attack? Um, then you know moving towards conversations about how long lasting this conflict is, how um, equally distressing losses happen uh, on the Palestinian side 
and have happened over the years in a different way. And I think it's the I think it's the ferocity of the attack, um, or the you know the ferocity of aspects of the attack that's really obviously shocked the world, um, shocked Israel, understandably. Um, but there are many, many, yeah, well, some Jewish schools have closed in London. And of course, the, you know, the offshoots of this are um, uh, anti-Semitic uh, protests, anti-Semitic attacks, um, anti-Semitism. I mean, I've, I heard this morning that even uh, White Hart Lane, Tottenham Hotspur, that's a team I support, um, uh, their football ground has been attacked. I mean, it's not necessarily overtly been uh, described as a as a race attack, but uh, it seems a bit a little bit coincidental, doesn't it? Um, and I, um, yeah, shall we save Jay Freedom? Thank you. We'll, we'll save the Discord chat for a little bit later. Um, so you know, it, it's it's inflammatory. It's heated. It's difficult. Now, the first thing. Um, one has to talk about is that civilians have suffered in this attack in Israel and civilians are about to suffer and have been suffering for years in a different way in certainly the Gaza Strip um, and the West Bank, uh, Palestine, Palestinians. Um, I think so many things are happening in this conversation, which really confuses things. So, for example, if you, you know, if you are to express concern, compassion, or worry um, about Palestinians, that doesn't mean you're anti-Semitic. It doesn't even mean you're necessarily anti-Israel um, in terms of Israeli policy. To be anti-Israeli uh, government policy is not to be anti-Semitic. I want to show you a little film. It's like a screen recording that I did of a carousel, which I've animated because I want you to, to look at these headlines. And I thought this was a really, Nadia sent this this morning. This is a really important little thing to look at because I think it will surprise many of us and wrong foot many of us too. So look at the, the, these headlines here. It's an opinion piece in haretz.com. Um, so let me go back to the beginning here. So you've got Israel can't imprison 2 million Gazans without paying a cruel price. That's one headline. So let, just, just let these headlines sink in. Sink in. Netanyahu bears responsibility for this Israel-Gaza war. Um, Israel's patently illegal Gaza operation. This was earlier in the year. Um, a humanitarian corridor, an inverted commas, the first step in a prisoner exchange of women and children. You would think that these were the headlines potentially from a Palestinian organization this is this is this is uh, as i say a publication called um sorry i want to get the name right haaretz.com which is apparently israel's equivalent to the new york times and what's really important about that is there are many 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 people in israel prior to this catastrophe who were strongly anti what the israeli government was doing and also believe as I do, that if you squeeze an entire culture, population, society, geographical area of land, forget the politics, if you squeeze, it's like if you do it with any creature, if you squeeze, you hem in, you re remove opportunity, you remove the, the ability to be even in control, as we're, we're hearing now, of your water or electricity, you can't 
be entirely surprised that resistance comes. And I think that in saying that, that's not saying it's explainable, justifiable, isn't an act of terrorism. But unless that connecting thought doesn't happen, and it, the point to be made here is that connecting thought has been made by countless, you know, uh, Israelis, Israeli Jewish people. But you can see that connection. You can see that connection. If you hem people in, in a sort of, let's not beat around the bush, a sort of glorified, not even glorified, how do you glorify it, but a, a sort of a camp of sorts, you're going to get resistance. And resistance, unfortunately, it's like, you know, we all, anger is an emotion we all feel. The vast majority of us know what not to do with that anger. But then there are many who don't know what to not do with that anger. Or when your opportunities are completely removed, you can't be surprised when that anger erupts in a fashion that is entirely offensive, hostile, terrorizing, terrifying. Now, another interesting detail in the whole Israeli-Palestinian crisis is that the Egyptian intelligence services notified Netanyahu between three and eight days prior to the attack. Now, once again, this is a problem for the Israeli population. Netanyahu isn't popular, but Netanyahu was made aware of this attack. Now, you know, we've had our own attacks. We had our own 9-11s. Imagine, imagine knowing that 9-11 was going to happen or something like it. And let's not forget, Netanyahu being told this through intelligence services and, and communications with Egypt and not acting on it. In fact, not only not acting on it, but what strikes me as really bizarre is having what seems like a much reduced military presence in the area that they came through it. So these elements, these aspects, again, are something for uh, you know Isra the Israeli population, that, that, that free-thinking, um, critical thing, critical thinking Israelis have to think about. Now, that's completely different. You know, there's this sort of political debate going on, and then of course you've got the incredibly personal. There are hundreds and hundreds, thousands and thousands of people in Israel who have just been hit in the most horrific way. And it, for me, it's totally understandable and justified that they are feeling just the, the raw desire to hit back, punish, and send a signal send a signal back. So the consequences of what's happened, it all makes sense. But we cannot pretend, and it goes back to something we, I think me and Nadia were saying in a, in a previous Coffee Morning, this is where the West and America and the UK and all the other countries in the world and the UN have to be the great, I mean, this isn't to say be the great, but because it's the intensity of what's going on on the ground between Palestine and Israel is too emotional, it's too fraught. You need some countries that are taking an entirely responsible approach to this. And the problem is, is that if you take an approach at the moment that in any way suggests, which is where I'm getting to, that the Israelis don't now tell 1.1 million Gazans, which they've done today, they've given a warning that everyone in the north of Palestine needs to move to the south of Palestine. Um, let me just check, is that right? Israel warns 1.1 million people to flee northern Gaza within 24 hours. 
The UN has said this, this is going to result in a humanitarian disaster. You cannot move an entire population to the south of Gaza. Now, the reason I think they've said move to the south of Gaza is they're aware that people can't escape. So you've now got a situation where you've already had a radicalized extremist wing of this population attack you. You're going to hem them in even more. You've turned off their fuel, the water and electricity. You're asking half the population to move to the south of the country. And you're then going to bomb, you know, hit, I mean, look, what they're trying, I mean, the Israelis would say the difference here is, and this is, this is a fair point, we're giving you a warning. But what kind of a warning is 24, 24 hours? It, it, it's, when, and now we're into this curious, curious situation where, People in conversation are, 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 draw, are trying to put thin pieces of paper between the value or the meaning of a child's death on one side versus a child's death on the other. The, the barbarism on one side, and you could argue the sort of premeditated tragedies on the other, but given that there's a warning, a death is a death of a child, is it not? Isn't, isn't the death of a child on either side the death of a child? That's that's the bit that I just don't I don't understand when people are when people are sort of angry. And as I said, anger is absolutely right, but it's what you do with it. And I think that's where it was right that the whole world supported Israel, bearing in mind there needs to, I hope to I hope to God di diplomatically there's some interrogation. I hope Blinken, as he landed, the you know, US Foreign Secretary, I hope he asked Netanyahu about the uh, alleged warnings. Because if I was one of the parents of one of the children who'd been shot in the Hamas attack, I would want to know why there wasn't an increased military presence in that area of Israel. There's also, I think, weirdly, what's been revealed in what's going to amount to Israel's response is a weird detail that seems to be being passed by. I listened to a couple of Israeli diplomats talking about this on the radio. Again, obviously, you know, intensely shocked, hurt, traumatized by what's happened to their nation. But there was this weird thing where one of them said this, why would we let them have their water and electricity? Now, that just struck me as a really odd admission of how fundamentally unbalanced the status quo is outside of this conflict. Do you get me? It's like, hang on a minute. What do you mean you, so you, so I didn't realize the extent to which they literally control utility services in the area. Is that not imprisonment of, of a sort? Is that not control of a sort that across a long period of time, once again, well, and this is where the West, again, needs to aid Israel and aid Palestine to find this solution. Because I tell you what's going to happen and why, and is anyone going to be surprised by this? Any now ground invasion on Gaza is going to radicalize the next generation. If you the idea here is, is to remove Hamas, this is, this is such short termism. You're going to potentially remove their tunnels, which is why they, they, I mean, you could argue why are they clearing everyone out? Because Hamas will just move south with all of the civilians. They want to bomb the infrastructure in the north to destroy the underground tunnels. And that requires a pounding of, of unprecedented proportions. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, 
in pounding that, you may, let's say in an ideal world, Israel gets every Hamas member as they are now. They've all got families and they've all got children. Those are going to be the next radicalized Hamas uh, militants. And if in these next few days, it's felt that the response is not, you can't draw proportionality to what happened on Saturday last week. But if it feels disproportionate insofar as a total humanitarian crisis on a scale of millions develops, you're not only going to lose that you might win the battle, but you're going to lose the war because you're going to radicalize infinitely more people. This is why it's such a complicated and why it's so important that the people are allowed to talk like this in this period after the event without being accused of being sympathetic to anyone, because this isn't about being sympathetic to terrorism at all. This is about understanding where it comes from, and it feels like no one wants to understand, and that's when I start to think that it's very short-sighted again when people seek to say that you're a supporter of Hamas if, for whatever reasons, the Football Association has said they're not going to like the stadium. You know what? Let's not talk... You know, Wembley Stadium lighting up in either colour should not be the story. Let's not start shaming people for whatever might be the complicated reason for them not necessarily feeling it's the right thing to do. Hannah Lieb shoots Mark. What do you think about celebrities like Kylie Jenner and Justin Bieber talking about this? I do not know much about what they said, but apparently their posts seem ignorant of the conflict. Well, that is one of the things that we've got up here. Justin Bieber posted an image, didn't he, of uh, support for Israel. To be fair, he says he's, his thoughts and his prayers are with civilians on both sides. So it's not just a one-sided thing, but obviously the attack was on Israel that's, that's triggered this latest crisis. And that's my point. We can't ignore that Israel at this moment, was the recipient of a huge blow. Yes, across a longer period of time, you look at the statistics, I think since 2007, there's a graphic that shows, CNN were publishing it, the the sheer number of Palestinians that have died over that period of time is something like 6,500. Prior to this crisis, the number of uh, Israeli Jewish people that died is somewhere in the region of, I think, 100 and something. And again, it's not about, you know, any number is bad. But... It's interesting that those 6,000 Palestinians across a broader period of time, I don't think we've ever seen as many images, have we, of, of what's happened to them, have we? I, I, can't, I can't think of any. So when celebrities weighed in, and Justin Bieber posted the wrong image, I think he thought he was posting an image of the decimation in Israel. <coughs> but what he actually wrongly used was an image of decimation of um, the Gaza Strip. Uh, which in in and of itself is kind of, kind of revealing because it kind of proves that the most arresting, weirdly, images that you reach to in the Middle East for someone who isn't int intimate, obviously, as he isn't with the story, um, are images of, of Gaza. Um, Victoria Moore, yeah, who gives a shit about something being lit up? We want to hear from Western governments about what they're going to do to stop this escalating, not what the FA thinks or are doing. I mean, that, I, you know, I choose to not see this as some kind of failure or spinelessness. I just think it's an irrelevance what the Football Association does. It's, it's an irrelevance. There are, you run the risk of, of just poking an ant's neck. And, and I think as, if, if more institutions could just not take a position on this, because What's clearly behind that is, yes, we all have sympathy for Israel in the immediate moment. But as we're discussing now, unless you're an absolute moron, this is infinitely more complicated now than just the attack. 
So do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, I just think sometimes it's really, it's just, it's like something we can get, people can get cross about. Let's get cross about the FA. Let's get, now, another one, which is a good example of that is the BBC. Now, the BBC have come under fire um, for not using the word terrorist, terrorists to describe um, Hamas. And I do think that they should be, you know, what happened was an act of terror. Now, what do you think about this? Should they be referring to the BBC's argument? John Simpson was on the radio a couple of days ago saying the term terrorist is a prescription um, based upon a judgment. OK, it's very this is very hard. This is a tough debate to swallow this one. I'm trying to think of a good historic example of this. So, for example, I always remember in the 80s, um, the ANC in South Africa being described as a terrorist organization. And of course, with the through the mists of time, you realize that they were actually fighting for something that, that was spectacularly obvious. Now, it, we are not in a position, if we're not Palestinian, to say if we feel the same about Hamas. But my thing about um, why the BBC potentially shouldn't use the, the term terrorism, and this is, this is actually a really important point, which I don't actually think has come up, very few news organizations can get access to both sides of this conflict. You know, to get behind the lines in Gaza is incredibly dangerous. I mean, we were going to go out there to shoot a, through Family Connections, uh, a film about um, a female uh, sort of Formula One team of women. Um, uh, but, you know, getting in there is difficult. Staying in there diff is difficult. And staying alive is difficult. But also... They will be in there. All journalists get access to behind enemy lines or into certain cultures and into certain environments, not by saying they will report inaccurately because they, they won't. They won't do that. But with the agreement, you know, that they'll, they'll have had to get agreements with Hamas to be able to get in there. And it is important globally for news coverage that we do get images from both sides of the equation. And I think a part of the reason... Uh, that the BBC and some other news and some other news gatherers won't use the word terrorist is that it would endanger their personnel who are embedded in them and their ability to report on both sides of the equation. So I don't think it's about as many people wanted to suggest that they're they're Hamas sympathisers or anything like. that. Again, it's like there's a hit. Let's just get shot. Let's just be outraged and cross. Well, maybe there's a more complicated reason, and I think that complicated reason is about access and it's about being able to actually report a greater truth. Uh, beyond what we're getting, which is a lot of kind of alleged, uh, you know, CNN reporting, where have I got it? CNN reporting today um, or reporting yesterday that is an Israeli official says that the government, the Israeli government, cannot confirm that babies were beheaded in the Hamas attack. Now, why something like that is important is it doesn't mean that images of babies that have been killed isn't awful but again we're getting into this strange sort of trade-off between which is a more awful way to kill a baby i mean that's where we're at which is a more awful way and there isn't they're all awful and they're all hideous and they're all ghastly and it's just it's just horrendous but you know there are also images on many in many areas of of, of palestinian children with with awful wounds who, who have also died too um but you know the the sort of the 
there's a sort of visceral aspect to a headline about the severing of babies and that, which is just so strong. And so the idea that that might not be true is just, again, one just has to tiptoe really carefully through what one's receiving, bearing in mind social media and the algorithm pumps towards you and feeds towards you more images that skew towards the direction that your sympathies lie. You know, you've got to remember that. It's like sometimes you need to not click on something and search something different in order to, you know, there's a difference between consuming on social media what's put in front of you or actively going against the algorithm. And you can do it. Fight the algorithm, guys. Search for something else. Search for another angle on the on the conflict. And Hannah, Hannah Lee shoots. Uh, we need to have room to fully discuss everything because often when terrible news happens, we all get emotional. Absolutely. Rightfully so as well. Absolutely. Uh, to then move on from it later. We cannot do it with this. No. And what's really difficult for Israel, and I really, my, I have so much compassion for the Israeli population who at a moment where you've essentially had the most bloody fist in the face to be asked to kind of show not restraint but to pause is tough isn't it it's tough she's at loose julie Ublu, Jerusalem Times wrote that these stories have been confirmed in the meantime. What's been confirmed is the awful, awful burning, shooting of children, adults, grandparents, and the beheading of other, of, of other individuals. Now, the point is, is that both sides of the equation, I'm not disputing what the Jerusalem Times have said, but on both sides of the equation, um, there is going to be a desire to inflame and justify angry response so it's just it's just important to remember that so as we sit here now what is happening with um let's just have a look uh so as i say israel's told 1.1 million people to flee north gaza um i think there is going to be a bombing exercise uh hamas and other hamas sympathizing groups have called for a day of jihadi protest so i think there are going to be protests across this country um, any potential anti-Semitism is just totally reprehensible. I mean, it's just just horrendous. Um, ten minutes ago, a barrage of rockets have been fired uh, towards Ashkelon and southern Israel. So they're still firing from Gaza. So, that, you know, they still have capabilities. Um, the World Health Organization is saying there's, it's impossible to move severely ill patients in Gaza. Hamas are also claiming that the bombing of Gaza has already killed 13 to 15 hostages that they had. Um, so, so yeah. Okay, Ublu. Well, I, I, we'll, we'll check that. We'll check that. Yeah. Um, Akil Said, I am Muslim. It's been horrible few weeks. Don't condemn violence on either side, but love your guys' balance. It's about balance. And also, I, I, I once again go back to, I'd be really interested to see what you think. Ublu, Ublu, obviously. Um, what do you think of these sort of, you know, the headlines in um, Haaretz.com, where there is a feeling, you know, there is a feeling amongst a lot of Israeli commentators, thinkers, the population, that it's not surprising that there are extraordinary shows of aggression when you look at the, 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 the conditions of the 
you know, occupation of the, of the, you know, sort of hemming in, if you like, of a population. Um, and I'd really like to get to the bottom of why Netanyahu did nothing about the Egyptian warning. I mean, that, that, that strikes me as a curious one. It really does. Really curious. Why? Can you tell me, has the Jerusalem Times, for example, have they, have they dealt with that? Because I think the Israeli people are owed an answer regarding, um, regarding that. Grace and Martin, it's really hard to know what the truth is when it comes to reporting this. There's a lot of bias. You get, you have to research the truth about it yourself. Um, Faith Goodman, yeah, The Present is a good film. Good point, me too. Um, the Gaza Strip is an area within Gaza as a whole. Gaza as a whole is not fully urbanized. There are two or three main urban centers. Absolutely. Um, uh, people are not allowed to hold a Palestinian flag on demonstration, says Leslie S., but the Israeli flag is outside down the street. And other government. I think there is, a, I, I, I heard a government spokesman saying that's not the case. Uh, what, where, they're, where they're sort of clamping down is on anyone holding a, an, an Hamas flag. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, this, this has the possibility to really, really, I mean, you know, the West... Let's trust and hope that the West, in their sort of support of Israel, are also behind the scenes saying, look, um, let's just calm this, let's just stop this. Um, okay, Ublu, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that input. Um, let me drop that. What have we got here? Yeah, the, the, again, the FA being accused of being spineless for its refusal to... I just, I think, again, I mean, look, there's a strong argument. Someone said the other day, well, it's sport. Sport should stay out of politics. And some some were very quick to point out they didn't stay out of Black Lives Matter. Um, but in a, in a weird way, there was less of a, I, I don't know, it's a less of a sort of, there was an, it, I don't know. You, you know, there are two perspectives on the Israel-Palestine crisis in general outside of this catastrophe, whereas it's a given that black lives matter, if you know what I mean. Um, so I don't think there's a direct parallel there. Um, Lee Durant, what's lighting up Wembley got to do with this? I, I, it's just, it's something for people to get angry about and, and, and go nuts. Okay, so yeah, in terms of celebrities posting about this, just shut up. If you don't know what you're talking about, just shut up. And if you haven't got anything good to say, say nothing. And, you know, really, you know, Obviously, you may have sympathies. Obviously, you may have a loyalty to one side or the other. Obviously, you may be frustrated with this. Just, 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 I think it's incumbent on you as a sort of, I don't know, Kylie, is it Kylie Jenner? And, you know, just get your, at the very least, get your images straight or get your, your as we've said, it's very hard to get your facts straight. But if you can't get your facts straight, don't don't say anything. Um, so, so yeah, um, just double checking there aren't any updates as we're, as we're live. Um uh, the Israeli Defense Force says uh, the Israeli military is aware that evacuating 1.1 million people will take some time. We, this is a war zone. We are trying to provide them the time and we are doing a lot of effort and we understand it won't take 24 hours. This is in response to a BBC question about this. We understand the problem. It's a sad reality, but it's Hamas's responsibility. And where that sort of statement is Hamas's responsibility, obviously, when he's talking about the terror attack on Saturday, understood, but it doesn't acknowledge that the creation of Hamas is also a consequence of a radicalized population that has zero hope or prospect. And unless that is dealt with, um, you know, it's... it's uh, 
you, we're not going to get anywhere. Okay, so Israel has duty to turn what to say. I, I think we've, we've done all that. So it's, it, Okay, let's talk about anyone here moving off this topic just for a moment. Anyone here um, struggled, I know some of us have, struggled at the hands of toxic friendships. Anyone here struggled at the hands of toxic friendships? And what are the subtle signs? What are the subtle signs of a toxic friendship? Here's 13 signs of toxic friendships. So, they don't respect your boundaries. That's one. Let me just pull this. Uh, da, 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 uh, 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 uh. Oh, that's annoying. Sorry, one sec. Have I got yes? Quiz of the week. Okay, here we go. What have we got? Oh, yeah, they don't respect your boundaries. Sorry. Um. Sorry. Uh, number two, the friendship is one-sided. Three, you feel drained by them. Four, everything is always your fault. It kind of goes to the kind of narcissism thing, doesn't it? I love, I love the narcissistic kind of transaction, which is... So say I'm talking to a narcissist, or I say, I say something to a narcissist that hurts them. That's my fault. Right, that's, that's fair enough. But then if the narcissist says something to hurt me, apparently to the narcissist, I've made them do it. So it's also my fault. I, I, think, I think this is a little bit in, in, in that one. Everything's your fault. They guilt trip you. A toxic friend leans on guilt tripping, blaming you for something. So imagine a friend trying to guilt trip you into doing something like you never want to see me anymore. They, they blame you and make themselves the victim. Uh, number six, they're not trustworthy. Loyalty is big, but how many friends backstab or enjoy, how many friends actually enjoy it when things don't go well for you? That's, that's the sign of a toxic friendship, right? We'll read some of your comments out in a minute. I'll just run through these. Number seven, you've outgrown them. Uh, or one or both of you enables the other. For example, you may want to quit drinking, but this friend's always insisting you come out for happy hour with them. I, I for sure, many of my friendships are toxic because many of them knew that I obviously would drink too much and make the evening very entertaining for them, but uh, it would be a complete clusterfuck for me. Um, so, yeah. Jenny J, yes, it does. Thank you very much. We do have mods. Are you asking for a reason? Um, number nine, they're manipulative. Number 10, they bully you. Anything that makes you feel less than is a sign of a toxic friend. 11, this is an important one. They never seem happy for you. A toxic friend may even go so far as to sabotage your success because of a sense of competition or telling you not to do things that are actually good for you. You know, it's that sort of... Do you ever get that thing sometimes where you think, hi, Tori, that you think, oh, um, you know, or you, you watch a friend sort of talking to another, you think, oh, they're not happy that they found something in that, in that relationship because they haven't got a relationship. You know, some people can get relationship envy. And so they'll look for, they'll sow the seeds of discontent, won't they? 
They'll sow the seeds of discontent, which I think is interesting. Oh, there you go. Um, uh, what's another one? They don't empathise with you. I think you can sometimes have toxic, you sort of have uh, enforced empathy. Um, uh, they dis display toxic positivity or seem to go cold whenever you're upset. They may try to fast forward through those conversations to get back to having fun. That's a good point. You need a bit of touchstone with someone and they're really kind of like, no, they're sort of, they, they, they just want to get back to the good times. I remember a friend of mine saying when I went for a drink, for the first time I went for a drink when I was sober, and he went, it wasn't like us going for a drink when we were drinking, was it? I was like, well, no, I didn't. I wasn't drinking out. I wasn't being an absolute fucking twit. Tracy Golden, I had a friend who said I wasn't supportive as I didn't join her makeup business um, after saying I just wanted to buy as and went off her, she fell out with me, a friend of 18 years. Wow. I was talking yesterday to a couple of people about the huge pressures. Actually, I think there are more pressures on maintaining friendships for women than there are for men. Uh, Joni being invalidated. Yeah, good point. James Flanagan. Recently, I spoke to a friend who for the past eight to 10 years would always begrudge any success I had. I confronted this person and now that toxicity has gone. That's good. That's good. So proof that you can actually talk it out. Fantastic. Julie, my sister always blames my mental health when there's tension going on between messages and repeats herself, re my mental health. Um, Elaine Denning, when you are left feeling worse when they leave than you felt before they arrived. Absolutely. Entirely agree. Entirely agree. Um, did I do the 13? The 13. They don't actually accept who you are. They don't see who you are. They don't see what you, what you are. They don't consider that some things might make you feel a bit funny or a bit off and they don't curate what they're saying just to it's like reading the room isn't it it's like read the room sometimes you might want to say something it's that thing of better to be kind than right you know don't just walk into a room and, and need to make your stamp intellectually or emotionally read the room is this the right moment to say your stuff is your friend in the right place and let's face it it's nice and simple you can't reason with a narcissist the only thing you can do, Zoe, is starve them of any, not even attention, because no one has got more attention for a narcissist than the narcissist, but starve them of, and I think it's where, this is where narcissism as a phrase is really important, starve them of their reflection in you. I literally remember someone who we know talking to someone else, and I could see they weren't listening because they were so captivated with their own image in the sunglasses that the other person was wearing. And for me, that went to the very heart of narcissism. In a metaphorical sense, narcissists are seeing, a, are wanting to see a reflection of themselves in you, so everything pertains to them. Um, Sarah D, that's a good one, doesn't listen to your reply when they ask a question and they carry on talking about themselves. Or even worse, Sarah D, do you find that thing where they finish your sentences or what you're saying, thinking they know what you've already said? making you feel A, unoriginal, B, boring, and C, like, hang on a minute, wait for the next sentence because I'm going in the other direction to what you think. Anyway, okay, let's talk. Let's do the quiz of the week. So for those of you who are familiar with the channel, every Friday we do a little run through. It's usually the BBC quiz of the week. Seven questions, A, B, or C. We might change this up in the ensuing weeks. The Independent does a really nice one. Obviously, we don't have time to do... Uh, a sort of huge question and answer and give you lots of different choices. What's nice about the BBC one 
is that you have three choices. And it's nice for you all to say A, B, or C. Whereas if you have a question where you've just got an answer, there'll just be lots of answers coming in, won't there? So do you prefer, here's, here's a question now, do you prefer the A, B, C or, or, or individual answer? So put A, B, C or answer. If you're happy with the A, B, C, we'll stick with it. Just some days it's just so golfy, isn't it? It's golfy, crickety. I like cricket, but it's, it's, it's no one else does. Victoria Moore, you're not, you're all, bear with me one sec. Are we already? It's like an it's like an artwork, isn't it? An empty shot on a YouTube channel. Okay, let's do it. Oh, you're all saying ABC. I tend to answer with A. Okay, well let's do this. Let's do this now. Let's do it. Let's do it now. Okay, uh, American gymnast Simone Biles, uh, became, sport became the most decorated gymnast in history. Wow. Um, as she won formal titles at the World Gymnastics Championships. In addition to individual and team all rounds, which of these disciplines did she win? It's going to be a guess, guys, but you might lead with a good one. I've looked at the others, and I think you find it have a fighting chance with the others. Did she, uh, did she win in the beam, A, the beam, B, uneven bars, or C, the vault? Excuse me. What did she also win in? Uh, a, the beam... B, the uneven bars, or C, the vault. She's a gymnast. Uh, Lee Durrant is saying C, the vault. Um, uh, Joni is saying B, the uneven bars. Sarah Witherington, Ellen, Janine, Amory are all saying the beam. I'm now going to have something that's quite shocking. Ginger chop. It's A, the beam. Right, let's get on with it. Let's get on. Two pubs a day closed for good in England and Wales in the first half of the year. Closed each day. A total of 383 pubs were demolished or converted for other uses between January and June. Which of these regions lost the most pubs? A, London. B, the northwest of England. Or C, Wales. Which region has lost the most pubs? A, London, B, the northwest of England, or C, Wales? Uh, the answer is Wales. Georgina Demetrio, well done. Question three. A defensive mother brown bear known as 128 Grazer was crowned winner of Alaska's annual Fat Bear Week after voters backed her in the knockout competition. But which tubby teddy did she defeat in the final? Wow. A defensive mother brown bear was crowned winner of Alaska's annual Fat Bear Week. Fantastic. I think we have to do a caption competition for this. After voters backed her in the knockout competition, but which tubby teddy did she defeat in the final? Was it 480 Otis, A, B, 806 Spring Cub, B, or C, 32 Chunk? I love these names. I want to be in that competition, says Sarah D. Oh, Fat Bear Week. 
Got to tell Maddie about this. That's hysterical. Fat bitch. She loves bears. Fat bear week. So who did 128 Grazer beat? Was it A, Otis, B, Spring Cub, or C, 32 Chunk? They all sound like hip-hop artists, don't they? Uh, it's C, Julie Hilton. You're right. Chunk. Question four. Russia failed to be re-elected to the UN's Human Rights Council following its expulsion last April due to Ukraine. Speaking against Russia's inclusion, which country's ambassador ambassador urged UN members not to take an arsonist for a firefighter? Quote, speaking against Russia, which of these countries' ambassadors urged UN members not to take an arsonist for a fighter? I.e., there's a critical stance on Russia. Was it A, Albania, B, Ukraine, or C, the USA? Which one of those three pushed back? Natasha Milchin, your, your, hopefully your card will land in Tel Aviv. Um, a, Albania, B, Ukraine, uh, C, USA. Julie, I give up on doing well in this quiz. I, sweetie, I know. The vast majority said they want to stick with the ABCs, though. So I'm afraid we're, we're pushing on. The answer is not USA. The answer is Sarah Fox and Linda Tyler A, Albania. Ah, oh, a loggerhead turtle nursed back to health. We love turtles. Do you like turtles? Uh, after being washed up on a Scottish island, was released back to its home waters uh, at 1,700 miles away in the Portuguese Azores. Is it Azores or Azores? After which island was the turtle named? So they've named a loggerhead turtle that washed up in Scotland after uh, an island. What did they name it? Aran? A, Aran? 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 B, Iona? Or C, Sky? Oh, he's a sweetie, if only we had the image. Did they call him A, Aran? Aran? <laughs> B, Iona? Or C, Sky. Russ Souch likes Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Have you seen the new film? Apparently it's very good. Nina says, says it is. Uh, lots of you saying A. Linda Tyler says Sky. Jacqueline Clement says Iona. Faith Goodman says Iona. Iona, Iona. It's B, Iona. You're right. Question six. The UK and Ireland will host the 2028 European Championships. Don't worry. It's not as horrendous as you think it might be. Which of these football stadiums is not going to be a venue? in the 2028 European Championships? Is it A, Everton Stadium, Liverpool, B, Old Trafford, or C, Tottenham Hotspur? Which of those three will not feature in the 2028 European Championships? Well done, Julie. Aaron, pronounced like the name Aaron, the second way. So, oh, Aaron, is it Aaron or Aaron? I used to know an Aaron called Aaron, but you can pronounce. Anyway, uh, lots of you saying Tottenham Hotspur, Sarah Witherington, Helen Fatherly, Julie Hilton, Creator Holica saying Everton. Uh, Hannah Lieb shoots is saying Tottenham. MeTube is saying Old Trafford, and MeTube is right. Wow. Vincent Jodin has got the biggest cucumber I've ever seen. <laughs> That's not a euphemism. An amateur gardener from South Wales was judged to have grown the world's heaviest cucumber. I'll post this on the community tab, a photograph of him. He's quite an impressive chap. An amateur gardener from South Wales was judged to have grown the world's heaviest cucumber according to the Guinness Book of Records. But which other world-beating vegeta vegetable has he grown? He comes from Barry, by the way. I always think it's quite funny to come from Barry because, uh, yeah, it's sort of just down the road from Trevor. What was the other one that he grew? A, an aubergine, B, a carrot, or C, a marrow? And I'm looking at a photograph of the marrow being transported. My goodness me. There's a Roald Dahl story in that, for sure. Did you see the Wonka trailer, anyone? Did anyone see the Wonka trailer? 
Um, so what other huge vegetable did he grow? Is it A, an aubergine, B, a carrot, or C, a marrow? Faith Goodman is saying, hey, Faith, you're doing all right this week, aren't you? Uh, makes me think of Wallace and Gromit, Hannah Lee shoots. Linda Taylor says, hey, afraid not, it is marrow. And I, as I say, I will post an image on the community tab of both him with his cucumber and his marrow. Wow. He's never been so popular. Okay, guys. So there you have it. We're going to get another um, couple does Studland Bay 2. Quite funny. <laughs> I have an accident. Um, you've got uh, Green Figured Hell coming your way. You've got the Curly Cooks tomorrow. You've got the Coffee Moaning Papers um, and all that sort of jazz. Uh, if you haven't, go and check out our review of The Great Escaper, Michael Cainfield. Pleasant, pleasant surprise there. Uh, if you haven't, go and check out the Wonka trailer. Great fun. Uh, and also uh, Zac Efron in a new trailer for The Iron Claw. Um, have a lovely rest of the day Friday. I hope it's not too rainy or windy where you are. It is here, and I'm now just going to wave 